The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith, your It's 10K Week, and I am freaking out because it's my first 10K ever, friend. Uh, today I'm joined by Hale Varsity staff writer Steve Mark. Steve, thank you for being on the podcast for the second time. Uh, how are you? I'm doing great, Greg. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no problem. I mean, it, it's been kind of a whirlwind, uh, kind of like how long have you been technically now with Hale Varsity? Oh, so I started the Monday before the Illinois game. So it was, yeah, that Saturday, um, Illinois, whenever that was, August 28th, um, probably like August 23rd. So does it feel like it's been like, three months already worth of stuff that has happened <laughs> in like the less than a month time that you've been around. Yeah. Everything's been going super, super fast. Just like speeding by at a hundred miles an hour. This is crazy, but I'm enjoying every second of it. Yeah. It's, it's a wild thing because it is, it's really hard to explain to people um, <laughs> until they kind of see it. And you're kind of laughing because like we tried to like tell you and I'm trying to, I'm like, yeah, it goes by quickly. Like there's just a lot like just focus on what you got to focus on and then kind of mm-hmm. go. But like it's it's still until you actually do it and see it, especially what happens on game day. And it's not bad at all. Like it's just the speed of everything and trying to do everything that you would want to do um, is just a challenge uh, during the season. Like it, it's a really unique job that I think a, a lot of people it's tough to get a grasp on for a lot of people either listening to this or like reading the work um, to see like just how many things go on behind the scenes and how many things go into the things that we put together. Yeah. The biggest thing for me is just, uh, I guess, getting in a routine and knowing and understanding and just watching how you guys go about the beats and everything and just trying to follow your guys' lead. Um, yeah, there's a lot of learning going on right now, but I think it's, uh, it's for the best, obviously. And I'll just, um, keep on keeping on and and do the best I can with and while learning. So, right now, one thing, and that's really all you can do, but one thing that I always, I always find interesting, and I'm actually, I'm asking you this now and putting you on the spot, but I'm also going to ask our other, uh, two new interns as well about this. Did you have a moment like either at a practice or a press conference or at a game where you were like, oh, I'm here. Like, this is like what I had been working for. Cause I know that this was a dream of yours um, to cover college football. Yeah. So honestly, yeah, it's always been the dream of mine, the gold mine to cover college football. And then honestly, that, that Monday, um, the pregame, it started right away with that uh, press, co- the, like the pregame press conference where the players um, went up to the podium and started yeah. talking. I think that's when like, oh, I'm like a few, a few feet away from Adrian Martinez, who I've watched on the TV for like three and a half years or four right. years or whatever it's been. Um, and now I'm like supposed to be like writing a story on him and like maybe right. asking him questions and stuff. It's like, wow, uh, things are picking up here. So, yeah. 
which is fun because you do get like is it like we were saying you kind of get thrown into it but you are doing a good job so far i want to say that um i've enjoyed your coverage i i like kind of uh gave you a hard time on twitter yesterday said steve mark football guy uh on the quote tweet um because i've, I've come to realize about you that you love football like that sounds like it's it's not a cliche. Like that is one hundred percent the truth. Um, you love some football. I did see that you wanted to come down to the field on Saturday pregame and see the Buffalo defensive lineman. That's what I knew. Uh, this right here is a football guy. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I it's just something that I've grew up with. I played it in high school, not at a high level, but I was still on the team. Um, right. But yeah, it's uh it's just, it, it has a special place in my heart, the game of football and everything, every single thing about it. And, you know, I, I, I love everything about it. There's, there's some bad things about college football right now um, these days, but you know, just the, the product on the field, I'm all about it, learning about it every day, reading about it, watching about it. I'm all it. All right. Now each week we have uh, a couple of segments that are mainstays on the show. As you guys know, uh, the first one is called Coach Speak, where we go over something that a coach, player, or talking head said, and then we give you the straight-up breakdown of what they meant. Coach Speak to Real Talk. Now, this week comes courtesy of Nebraska coach Scott Frost, who had this to say about the play calling after Saturday's 28-3 win against Buffalo at home. Quote, we need to be able to take more shots downfield, and we did take them today, and we hit them. We have to be able to do more of that. That is going to help back people off, but we also need to be able to run it better to help open those things up. So it is hard to complain about a game against a good team in which you win by three scores and have 500 yards on offense or whatever we had, but it did not feel like we had that, and I was not satisfied, so we still have work to do. End quote. Steve, what does that mean? Well, there are a lot of words there. (laughs) There were. Um, but to me, it just means that he knows that opposing defenses, um, the game plan for him for the past few seasons are, they're not really scared of Adrian Martinez's arm. So it's kind of like a show, like show me what he can do or else we're just going to pack the box with bodies, stop that run and make Adrian Martinez's arm beat us. And I think that's the kind of game plan defenses are going with right now. And honestly, I can't blame them. Um, just, so that's that's basically what that quote says to me. It's just um, having the confidence um, in the play calling and Adrian having confidence in himself to um, just open up downfield, test defenses vertically, um, just blow the top off defenses, at least attempt to with some down downfield um, passing. And I think they showed that with Samari Toure's pair of 68-yard touchdown passes. And I know Oliver Martin kind of brings that aspect whenever he, whenever he gets back, but um, yeah, I think they're starting to do that, but um, until that really changes and and defenses kind of get scared of Adrian's arm, they're just going to pack the box and stop the run and and um, see if Adrian can beat him himself. Yeah, and, and what my and and I totally agree with you, and and I also think that unfortunately for Nebraska, that is the way that teams are going to play them, um, and also unfortunately for Nebraska, as they move along, especially once they get into Big Ten play, you're going to get better defenses um, that you're facing on a weekly basis, and I think the the kind of added wrinkle of teams that have faced Nebraska now for a few years, so they they have a good scout on them, they have a good feel for what they've been doing. So I think if Nebraska can continue to add in those downfield shots, we also had, I guess, the, the Xavier Betts catch for the touchdown that got called back. And, man, 
I, like that was just such a great play and great concentration by him. Um, so you, you feel for him for having to have that taken off of the board. Um, but that's also kind of been a story of, of this team of having those untimely penalties um, as they bring. It feels like they brought the number of overall penalties down a little bit. But when they hit has just been at backbreaking times, um, which has to be frustrating for them because, you know, they I know that they preach, you know, we've got to be smarter. We've got to do the little things like get less penalties and they get less penalties. But the timing of them is just so awful. Right. That has to just be frustrating. But I think if Nebraska continue to work in those downfield shots, it will definitely help. But it's also just, I think, a little bit different than how maybe Frost wanted to structure kind of the revival of this offense, right? Like, I think that they – I really do believe from all of – with all of the offseason talk about being able to run downhill and kind of use lean on that offensive line that was, was is young in game experience together, but not technically young. I want to make sure I say that out up front. Um be able to actually lean on them and that stable of running backs. But what they found is, I think because teams are so unafraid of Nebraska's passing game that it just makes the math of it. It's just really hard. If you were even, if even if Nebraska's five offensive linemen were going five on five and doing a really good job with those extra guys in the box, like it's just going to be really difficult. And that's before you get to the fact that in a lot of cases, Nebraska is getting beat up front um, in those one-on-one matchups too, which makes it even harder. Then you add in, in some cases with defenses, um, just putting a spy on Adrian Martinez. Now Buffalo did not do a great job of that, or at least that first guy that was coming down, um, Adrian was able to make that guy miss a few times. Um, but if teams got that, if a defense, if Buffalo had gotten that cleaned up, who knows what their off, Nebraska's offense would have looked like on Saturday. But I do think that getting those explosive plays down the field is going to be the key to opening this thing up it, because it just can't be, it looks like right now, I don't know how they're just going to flip the switch and say, okay, the offensive line is just moving people from, you know, snap one in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that we've seen the offensive line. That's kind of like the main, the main issue right now on that offense. Um, just that left side of the line isn't pretty sometimes and, and really against teams um, with, with lesser talent and size, you would hope that that offensive line would, kind of assert itself and start moving those guys back right away in the game. But as we've seen with Fordham, it took about a quarter and a half for that to start happening. And Buffalo, I don't know if it ever kind of happened with those guys. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that offensive line is something to just keep an eye on ahead of Oklahoma week, who obviously the Sooners have some pass rushers themselves. So should be an interesting dynamic for that game. Yeah, and I, I think that, that the – Chess match between Scott Frost and Oklahoma's defense will be really interesting. Let's break that down. I think that one of the the big keys for me will just be kind of how many tendencies can Nebraska break to keep OU off balance? Um, And I think that this kind of it plays into what we're saying, because I think that Nebraska is going to have to just go a different way, I think, than they anticipated with coming into this season. I'm just not sure that Nebraska can afford to, as the competition continues to rise, and it's definitely going to be as high this week as it has been. It's going to be any week um, here forward. Like, I just don't think that they can afford to start as slow and try and, like, basically just pound the run game 
with little results early in a game and then hope that it turns around later in the way that they have been able to early in the season. Because the, the problem is on the other side is that you're going to have an offense that's really potent and they're one mistake away of yours from putting six on the board. Um, so I, so I do, I, but I do think this, and I want to say, make sure to say that as we think about Nebraska taking these shots downfield, um, and they have taken more of them this season. Samari Toure um, is having a great start to the season because of some of those big plays. I wonder if the, the confidence that Nebraska has has really elevated in taking those downfield shots. And so not, with everyone, it's, it's Scott Frost and Matt Lubick calling those types of plays. It's the receivers running those routes confidently and crisply. It's um, Adrian Martinez trusting that he can throw them. That, to me, I think is a real interesting X factor developing within this offense because as they start to have more success with that, that's why, how I think you end up seeing even more of it within the offense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I remember writing this like maybe a couple of weeks ago um, about the whole confidence issue with the offense. It's almost like you're playing basketball and you're having an off night. But if you get a free throw to go down, if you see the ball go through the hoop, you know, you start feeling better about yourself. And who knows, maybe that changes something for later in the game. I think that's exactly like exactly right what you were saying with the offense. Um, just um, calling those plays downfield. Adrian taking those shots like he hasn't in the past. To see the to see those balls get caught, Samari Toure with those pair of sixty-eight yard touchdowns, it just does something for kids. You know, it just like helps them helps them get some, get some mustard. You know, just like let's go, we 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 did this, we can do it again. Let's go. Yeah, and I think that that's honestly part of what the whole like. I feel like it's something that's happening team wide with these last two wins. And this is what I kind of want to transition to as we kind of think about our feelings about the team heading into Oklahoma week is that we came into the Fordham game, especially really saying like, man, what can we really learn about this team? What can they really gain from, from this game? Um, it wasn't so much that with Buffalo, though they were, you know, a double-digit favorite. But I think, to me, the answer has been clear, of course, after seeing those two games, on um, what Nebraska has gained from them. And I think it is confidence. Like, I just kept thinking, especially while watching that defense um, play this weekend, is that that defense is as confident under Scott Frost and Eric Shenander as I feel like I've seen them. I feel like the defense right now feels like they can go out there and stop anyone in the country. Like I really feel like they look like they have that type of confidence right now. Yes, absolutely. And you bring up a, a good point about um, the defense. And so maybe uh, do you, do you think Greg that uh, at o Oklahoma, if they win the coin toss, um, Nebraska will defer to the second half and put the defense out there. I think they should. Yeah, I think that that goes into something that, okay, we record this on Monday before we go and talk to Scott Frost. Um, yeah. And so one of the things that I'm kind of interested to hear from him today is that, and I know we'll see if it's asked, I won't be in there. You'll be in there. So maybe I'll plant the seed here um, yeah. to see like, is there a shift in Frost's mind on what type of program this is right now? We know that when he was hired, it was supposed to be all about the high-flying offense. We were going to have a defense that was opportunistic and, you know, bend but don't break. Kind of That's kind of a bad buzz phrase around here, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and, but the offense was going to lead the way. Fast forward to year four, and we're in a spot where the defense is clearly leading the way, and the defense is, is the unit that you want to start that big game with. So if to me, 
it would be a clear decision if they win the toss that they need to defer and let the defense go out there and set the tone. I think the defense would embrace that as well. Um, and I think that they probably do a pretty good job at it too. Um, so I would be curious to know if, if he's in his, like how that plays out in Frost's mind about kind of the changing identity of this program right now, because you, you just, I think you have to embrace it and see if you can ride that wave, because I think that that's Nebraska's best chance to have success, especially in some of these bigger games. Yeah. And when you talk about Oklahoma, look, they weren't perfect against Tulane. Uh, Spencer Rattler isn't a perfect quarterback. He kind of makes some bad decisions sometime in the passing game, but um, with that, with that Oklahoma game, if you put that defense out there and for some reason they get a stop, Oklahoma's forced to punt. Don't come out with any points on that first drive with the Sooners. That is such a shot of energy, everything, momentum into the arm that like the Huskers need so badly for that game just to get off on the right foot. If they put, somehow get the defense out there um, right, right now. Uh, right away um, and and stop Oklahoma's offense from getting any points on the board. That's just going to set the tone and like give get everybody fired up on the sideline. And just like, I think that's just a start that you want to see instead of just maybe an offensive series that doesn't go anywhere to start. Yeah. And I also think, I think that you make a key point there about confidence in one of these big games. If we look back through um, Nebraska playing these like big time opponents, you know, top 10, top 15 opponents, um, under Scott Frost, there have been some really bad losses in these games. Everybody remembers the, the what's been happening with the Oklahoma series, say, or the Oklahoma, sorry, Ohio State series, save for that first year um, in Columbus. Um, that Michigan game in year one comes to mind, and there's some others. And so it, Nebraska has not been close in some of these big games, so to, or games against like big time opponents. So if Nebraska can come out and start well, yeah. And it, it doesn't even I it's, it's funny. I'm not even 100 percent convinced that it would have to be that Nebraska comes out and starts with a 10 nothing lead or something like that at the end of the first quarter. If Nebraska mm-hmm. came out of the OU game 0-0 at the end of the first quarter or 3-0 at the end of the first quarter, I think that that's a win based on how they've performed in some of these games in previous years. And I do. Th- I think that the best chance for Nebraska to be able to have that type of start is for them to be able to defer. Um, I also think it, it's interesting when you start to listen to players, and I feel like it happened again after this game against Buffalo when players were talking about the, the different energy that they get from deferring and then being able to focus on that last um, four minutes of the first half and that first four minutes of the second half. Like there, I think that there's something there. I just feel like there's something like just kind of naturally organically happening with the program and the team with those types of setups that could maybe lend to some success instead of trying to force the square peg round hole of we, we win the toss, we want the ball, we're going to go down and score. I just think that there's something naturally happening. And to me, and maybe it's just confirmation bias from what I think needs to happen, but the leaning into a defensive program, I think needs to be rapidly accelerated. Yeah, because the other side of the ball hasn't really happened that that well. <laughs> right. Things haven't really gone that well. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've seen the we've seen the change in philosophy with like the receiver recruiting, right? Like how big these guys are that they're recruiting now. Instead of the small guys, they're kind of getting the bigger bodies in there. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe we are seeing like another shift in kind of how how he goes about running the program on game days, especially with with deferring and putting the defense out there if he wins that coin toss. 
Now, one thing that I wanted to make sure to ask you too, as, as we like kind of just think about feelings on the team heading into o, OU week, uh, going in. So after the Fordham game, during the Fordham game, Nebraska ran some of that spread option, right? And then, of mm-hmm. course, that perked up everybody, right? And then Scott Frost was asked about it following Monday ahead of Buffalo. Oh, he says, I don't know how much of the offense that that's going to be a part of going forward, right? Get to Buffalo, they run some more of it. They have some more success with it. Um, do you think that they should add more of that or continue to have that be closer to a staple in the offense? Or is it something that maybe caught those teams off guard um, and that's why they had success? Yeah, so I think that maybe caught them off guard because if, if they did any research on Samari Toure at all, I don't think they saw a lot of him in the backfield at um, uh, Montana, right? So I think that um, that that is something that that maybe maybe is catching defenses off guard with with putting him in the backfield and running some option with him. Um, but look, I mean, I'm sure that they're going to run some of it o- at Oklahoma with an extension, like another, another part that they haven't shown against Fordham and Buffalo. So, I mean, I, I'm excited to see what kind of extra thing they do with those same looks um, with, when they motion Samori back there. Um, I'm sure some play action pass is going to come right. off of that somehow. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to see what the, the game within the game um, basically is, is what they kind of say with, with that stuff. Yeah. And I definitely think that that's because of the success that those option plays have had. I do think that Oklahoma will be on alert for them, yep. but that's how you start to get that chess match though, where, okay. And what I was talking about earlier, which is the chess match between Frost and Grinch of whether or not he can, Scott Frost can then run some play action off of that, whether he can run some option passes off of it. Like there's a lot of different things you can do. You also notice that in the Buffalo game, they ran that a couple of times with running backs actually back there. Um, it, it, it can become a really interesting thing because it's the reason why teams like the option so much is because when you execute that well, it's very difficult to stop, especially that spread option version when you have a quarterback that you have to respect in the running game, like there's no way to deny that Adrian Martinez at this point is their best runner. Right. Mm-hmm. And yep. so because you have to respect him so much in that run game, it becomes really difficult and tricky um, to defend. So I w- it would be interesting to see if Nebraska gets some more of that going um, within this game as well. Now, as we get closer to this game and we start to get, you know, we're some days out here from the OU game. It's OU week. How are you? Do you feel any differently about this game and Nebraska's, I guess, chances than you now than you did after, before the season after Illinois? Like, where are you at with kind of what you think just early on about Nebraska's chances here? Yeah, so I think if if uh, Nebraska fans are listening to us talk about this game right now, I think I feel better about Nebraska's chances about hanging on and not having it be an, embar- an embarrassing national TV loss than I did like at the beginning of the season. So I watched I watched Oklahoma's game against Tulane. Look, Omaha, uh, Oklahoma had just they had trouble with the Green Wave, right? Um, right. Obviously, it was just the first game for everybody. Um, Tulane was displaced, kind of odd circumstances. Um, look, Spencer Rattler is really good, but he's also um, made some poor decisions in the passing game. The ball really comes off his hand well, but um, sometimes it doesn't go to the right guys. Um, I think that's um, now that they, they did. They did have a very good game against Western Carolina. I think it was they put up 70 points, um, but I just feel better about it. I'm, I, I think that Nebraska is a team right now with that defense, the way it's playing. Obviously, it's going to be a bit different than Fordham and Buffalo. 
but I think that they um, are capable of hanging around a lot closer than maybe like the national media or, or everybody uh, kind of thinks at halftime. Now, I don't think they're going to win, but um, yeah, I think that they're going to hang around a, a lot longer than maybe people, people think uh, to start at halftime. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm really about in the same spot, which is somewhere I did not think I would be yeah. um, as even, especially after that Illinois game. Um, I, and, and the, primary reason is the defense like I do think that I I am really excited to see Nebraska's defense match up with this Oklahoma offense we have not seen the one thing though that we haven't seen from Nebraska yet so far is see their pass defense tested um now we saw Illinois hit some passes but I feel like that was a function of how well they started to run the football um especially that one drive at the beginning of the third quarter so I think that 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 was just different. We had not seen Nebraska face a, obviously a passing attack as good as Oklahoma, but just that style of passing attack we have not seen yet. So it would it would be better if one of the teams that Nebraska had played before this game was kind of a spread pass team, just so yeah. you could see what it looks like. Because we just don't. I, I would wonder how many snaps have we even seen Nebraska with three defense with three cornerbacks on the field. Um, this season and like will is that going to even be we talk about that chess match in the game within the game Lincoln Riley versus Eric Janander Eric Janander wants to put himself on the map this is the type of game to do it going against Lincoln Riley's offense but we haven't like are they going to go to three cornerbacks is Jojo Doman going to stay out there and defend that third receiver for OU like how how does that matchup work and those will be things that of course we'll talk about throughout the week um, as we have player and coach availability, you guys can keep it locked on hillvarsity.com for, for all of that. But those sorts of things are going to be fascinating because as we've seen, we've not, we've seen Cam Taylor Britt tested a little bit um, mm-hmm. and he's done pretty well. He had the one this past weekend against Buffalo where he was a little late on trying to jump the route for a pick six. Um, but by and large, he's been fine um, on his side. We've seen teams go after Quentin Newsom quite a bit. Um, yep. I expect that to continue um, against OU. I would expect if Nebraska does put a third corner out there for, for Oklahoma to try to find matchups um, in, in that way as well. Like there's just a lot there. And that's even before we get to, we haven't talked about what we all were talking about before the season with Nebraska. And that's the pass rush, right? As we saw in the, in the Illinois game started off hot, kind of tapered off here um, lately, but the rush defense has been very good. Uh, for Nebraska as well like there's just a lot there when it comes to Nebraska's defense versus OU's offense and that that to me is going to be so fascinating and I know that a lot of the talk this week is going to be can Nebraska's offense muster anything because in theory you're going to need 30 points in any given week to be able to beat Oklahoma but that defense and against Nebraska or against Oklahoma's offense to me is, is the game because Nebraska's defense, I think, is capable of kind of keeping them in this game. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's a good one. And and for me, I'm going to be uh, kind of keying on Nebraska's offensive line and how and how it uh, holds up against a an Oklahoma defensive front with uh, two guys, Isaiah Isaiah Thomas and Nick Benito. Those guys get after the quarterback. They live in backfields. Um, I mean, from what we've seen so far with Nebraska's offensive line, it's still a work in progress. So I'm kind of just thinking like this could be kind of a rough, a rough day for that, yeah. for that unit with, with just looking at Oklahoma, what they have uh, coming back on that defensive front. So 
um, yeah, that's that's something that I'm going to be keeping an eye on is that um, offensive line against the Oklahoma defensive front who has which has um, really um, recently kind of gotten better and gotten some good pass rushers in there in that program. Yeah, absolutely. And so we'll have we'll have plenty more throughout the week, as I said, on HillVarsity.com leading up to this historic rivalry game between Nebraska and Oklahoma. But every week we, we end the show with my favorite segment of the week called Put Them on Blast, where we basically put someone on blast for something that they did or said. Put them on blast. Today, I'm kind of going with a group blast, okay? I'm going, this may be the first time I've done this. this is, I'm going to go with struggling blue blood football programs. I got three of them <laughs> that we're going to put on blast based on their result from this weekend. Texas, who lost to Arkansas after, I believe, being a seven-point favorite um, mm. in, in that game. Florida State lost to Jacksonville State. Like, what? Like, yeah. I, again, Jacksonville State beat Florida State. Um, and then USC got blasted by Stanford. Um, now, winning is hard as Nebraska, who is also fits in this category right now, even though they won their game this weekend. Winning is hard, as Nebraska has shown. And each of these programs have, kind of has their own issues, though. It's, it's really interesting to me because Texas got a real preview of what it's going to be like when they move over to the SEC. It could not have been a worse loss just perception-wise uh, yeah. for Texas. And I think really, to me, what it exposed about Texas is that as they make that transition to the SEC, we talked a lot about Nebraska's offensive line and them getting that figured out. Texas has got to figure that out. They have got to figure out the offensive and defensive line. If they're going to hope to compete and be kind of in the middle of the pack in the yeah. SEC, they have got to get that figured out because we're not even talking about the sport that Alabama, Georgia, and LSU are playing. I'm talking about just like the <laughs> middling teams um, in the conference, like Arkansas kind of is, right? Um, yeah. Florida State, I don't know what's happening down there. Um, their defense was like I think Arkansas State I want to say it was the wide receiver and I wish I had the quote pulled in front of me I remember seeing it kind of researching this where it was either wide receiver or their their head coach that said that they were surprised that Florida State on the game winning touchdown didn't have a safety over the top they kept Florida State kept playing the same defensive coverage and Jacksonville State said so we kept calling the same play that's not good <laughs> that is not a great sign for your coaching staff and then with USC like, it's really been the story of, of Helton's tenure at USC is that they get a ton of penalties. Like, if we talk about, like, how many penalties Nebraska gets at times, USC has been as bad or worse at that. And USC also cannot run the ball either. Like, they have no run game um, whatsoever. But somehow Helton ends up doing just enough to be able yeah. to hang around. Like, it's a really weird – like, they'll go on a run here after this game, right, and be kind of in contention for the Pac-12 title because Pac-12 isn't very good. Um, and so it, he'll end up hanging on. But USC should not be this bad. Like, there's no reason that they, they have this level of access to the players that they do. Um, and even, like, it's not even the access to them. They have them. They have these players on a yearly basis mm -hmm. going to the NFL and not be uh, better. So for all of those reasons, all three of those struggling blue blood programs, Texas, Florida State, and USC, all of you are getting put on blast. Steve, who are you putting on blast? Yeah, so um... – Let's go. This might be a little bit of an old one. I'm a week behind, but Brian Kelly's execution comment. Okay. <laughs> like you can't say that with the TV camera in front of you. <laughs> no, no. you can't. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a simple one, but like, I, I know, I know that quote, um, he's, he's repeating it from like a former coach who said that. Yeah, John Mackey made a joke about it. Yep. 
Yeah, but like that, I mean, I don't think Brian Kelly like has ever said like a funny joke in his life. He doesn't look like it, just not that type of guy. So that didn't really come off well. <laughs> no, and part there's a couple of reasons here. One, when John Mackey made that comment, though, the setup for it was totally different. Like it was not, it was not apples to apples. And now Brian Kelly, I feel like, went to that postgame press conference wanting to get that joke off, and he was going to do it no matter what, come hell or high water. He was getting that <laughs> joke in no matter what. He probably should have pulled that one back, number one. Number two, you're completely correct that he's just not the guy to make that joke because that's just no. not him. He's just not uh, – like if Lane Kiffin made that joke, yeah. it would be totally different because we've seen Lane be actually be funny. Also, the third one and probably the most important one, Brian Kelly can't make that joke based on his history and what happened with the student at, with the student dying um, on his campus, on his watch. So you just there's just a lot of things there. And for the reason where he couldn't have been the guy to make that joke, um, it, it just it just didn't make sense. Like, I just don't understand. And they almost got hated. Carmen almost lost that game yeah. um, this past weekend. I feel like a lot of people were turning into Peacock because that game was on Peacock <laughs> um, to hopefully see them lose. Um, and then they didn't. They ended up pulling that one out, which always reminds me, too. And, and even it relates to what I was talking about with putting those teams on blast is that anymore, man, it, parody in college football is just so widespread. Like, outside of really Alabama, like, it feels like everyone else can lose at any given yeah. time to anyone. Like, and, and yeah, maybe in some of these games, like, if Alabama had lost to Mercer, then maybe you, you would be surprised by that. But the level of surprise, I think, has been turned way down on some of these games based off what we've seen over the years developing. Yeah, that's why I love this sport so much. Just the unpredictable, like it's unpredictable sometimes. Like these little schools can, you know, give them a shot. Um, they and you know, who knows what what's going to happen? You don't always see that with the NFL, with like kind of the good teams are the good teams, the bad teams are the bad teams. But um, yeah, that's why I love college football. It's just you never know what you're going to get on a Saturday, and I love that. Yeah, that is absolutely right. And that is going to do it for us today. Uh, subscribe to the podcast everywhere you can listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five-star review. If you only leave four, I'm inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, make sure that you are checking out the other podcasts on the Hill Varsity Network. Do you mind your own podcast, the Varsity Club, uh, Nebraska Preps Post Game Show, and the Hill Varsity Radio Show. You can also check out the Hale Varsity YouTube page. I'm back on there with the recruiting question video of the week with Aaron uh, and also our post-practice videos. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at GregSmithHB and at Steve underscore Mark. That's M-A-R-I-K. And you can email the show at straightupbreakdown at HaleVarsity.com. Steve, thank you so much for being on this week, man. Thank you, Greg. Let's do it again sometime. We will. I will catch you guys uh, next week. A Media Production.